Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Super Sleuths Book 5 The Magical Parrots of Flombo by E.M. Clark, Read by Lexi Chapter 4 Into the Jungle Well, that's good news, said Zav. We were heading north anyway, and Clarence has just confirmed it's the right decision. The others nodded. And perhaps Gilletta or the Great Geezum will tell us how to free the parrots of Flambeau from Rosina's spell, added Sophie. It's worth a try, agreed Milo. But first, we'll need to get you past Mudtown, where the forces of evil are gathering, said Philippe seriously. There are many watchers, as well as bin men stationed everywhere. Just getting to the Great River will be difficult enough. Can we go over land? suggested Sam. No, replied Philippe firmly. It's not safe, what with all the serpents and insects. More dangerous by far than going by water. Well, we'll just have to think of a good plan to get us past Mudtown, won't we? said Zav. Yes, agreed Philippe. We'll need a diversion to distract the enemy and then we can slip past them. OK, let's plan one said Sam, ever practical. I don't think Sophie and I should listen, Zelly burst out suddenly. She had her hands clamped over her ears and seemed to be struggling to block out an invisible sound. Sophie had gone very pale and had screwed up her eyes as if she was concentrating with all her mind. The boys stared at them in shock, unsure of what to do. What do you mean? asked Sam. What is it? Is it Clarence speaking to them in a trance again? asked Zav worriedly. It's not Clarence, said Milo quietly. Zelly always looks peaceful when it's him. Just as Zav and Sam were about to really start panicking, their sisters suddenly relaxed again. Slowly, they opened their eyes, blinking in the sunlight. Rosina, was all Zelly could say, before she fainted onto the sand. Zelly awoke a few minutes later to see her twin's worried face hovering above her, Rafa's gentle paws patting her cheek. Are you okay? Zav whispered, and she nodded. Sitting up groggily, she saw the other sleuths hovering around her, the same concerned expression etched onto their faces. Mind probe, she said simply, and the others nodded. That's what Sophie said, explained Sam. That's why I don't think we should know what the plan is, said Zelly. It's just not worth the risk. We're fighting off Rosina's mind probes as hard as we can, but you never know what she might read in us. That sounds sensible to me, agreed Philippe. Sophie and Zelly sat quietly, while the boys gathered further away to plan a distraction. That was horrible, said Sophie simply. Yes, agreed Zelly with a shudder. It's going to take all my strength to keep fighting her off, but I won't let her in. Neither will I, said Sophie in a determined voice. Demaria and Anna were perched on the girls' shoulders and nipped them affectionately on the cheek in agreement. When it was happening, said Zelly quietly, could you feel the cores massing above you, almost as if they were really there? Sophie nodded, her eyes wide. I've never felt it like that before, she said. It's getting stronger, Zelly replied. She took Sophie's hand and they sat still, looking out into the calm turquoise waters. Meanwhile, the rest of the sleuths were planning a distraction to help get them past Mudtown. 
Let's use the illuminators, Sam suggested. We can give most of them to you, Philippe. Then you and the lianas can light them all up at once on the far shore. And if you also make a lot of noise, it'll be enough of a distraction to let us slip past in the darkness unseen, added Milo. Philippe replied, saying, Yes, it should work as no one here has seen an illuminator before. All that light alone is bound to cause a big distraction. But you'll need to keep in the middle of the river so you're not seen by the watchers. They have a lot of them. I've got a good idea for making a lot of noise as an added distraction, said Zav. Carnival drums. Philippe gave a broad grin. Excellent. No one will hear the splashing of your oars if the drums are going. They looked at one another, excited now that they had a plan. I'll get in touch with the lianas so we can put this plan into action, said Philippe. The others nodded. Can you also get a message to Nika and tell her to wait for us past Mudtown, asked Sam. Elementary, Philippe smiled. Let's do it tonight. Under the cover of darkness that evening, the sleuths boarded Philippe's boat, the Explorer. Lie down under the tarpaulins and cover your faces, instructed Philippe as they got in carefully. Milo, you have the sharpest eyesight so you can peek over the side. Tell me when you see the watchers. Milo nodded, his eyes wide, and he positioned himself so he was just peering over the side of the boat. They moved into the midstream, passing Frenchtown and moving upriver until they were close to Mudtown. They rowed slowly until they saw the sudden burst of light from the illuminators. Suddenly, the most incredible noise of beating drums filled the air, and another burst of brilliant light cascaded behind them. Quickly now, row! whispered Philippe urgently. I can see watchers, whispered Milo. Have they seen us? No, they're looking at the lights. Good, muttered Philippe, drawing on the oars as hard as he could. It's quite a show, said Sophie. I'm impressed. They must be dazzled, added Zelly. We're used to the illuminators and they're not. It'll ruin their night vision, said Sam with satisfaction, so we should be able to get past them. Keep going. Everyone pulled at the oars with determination and soon Milo reported that they were past the watchers. They carried on, making for the old dock away to the right as they'd arranged with Nika. I can see it, said Milo, and they rowed to the shore. Elementary, said a voice out of the darkness. My dear Watson, replied Sam. A figure emerged. It was Nika the navigator. She put her fingers to her lips and beckoned the sleuths to her. They hugged Philippe quickly, as he would be heading back to continue his work with the resistance. Then they followed Nika into the darkness. She led them to her ship, the navigator, and they quickly climbed aboard. As they went upriver, the sleuths peered into the darkness. It was so thick, it felt like you could reach out and grab handfuls of the night air. They could hear splashing, but there was no moon, so it was hard to make out the cause of it. As their eyes adjusted to the dim light, they saw the sinister reptilian shapes of many jacka sliding into the water next to the boat. They shivered and moved away from the side. The jacka were spies for Prince Igor, and it wouldn't do to be spotted. Behind them, they left a V-shaped ripple in the water, which disappeared almost at once. I don't like it here, said Milo. It feels enclosed, 
like the jungle is weighing down on us. Even the air feels heavy. He was right, and the others knew exactly what he meant. The sleuths were used to living by the sea with all its freshness and wind currents. The jungle felt stagnant and oppressive in comparison, and the smell of rotting vegetation was overwhelming. They had only been moving for an hour or so, but the river was getting narrower and narrower, the large green leaves and vines of jungle trees leaning in against the sides of the navigator. Without warning, the boat stopped, and the sleuths felt her nudge against the wood of a small dock under a huge gnarled tree with ginormous, flat, velvety green leaves. Nika joined the sleuths on deck and explained, I know we'll be pursued once they figure out the illuminators are a diversion, but it's just too dangerous to go any further with no moon. Have you noticed how narrow the river's getting? We don't call ourselves navigators for nothing, but even we need a little light. And she grinned at them. This is a stop-off point I use a lot. We'll be safe here. The sleuths heard the sound of cloth brushing against leaves ashore and stared into the blackness. Is that you, Nika? A rough voice pushed through the blanket of blackness. Ahoy, Nika replied, her white teeth flashing. We'll be safe with the ox, she said to the children, and she disappeared down the side of the boat. The sleuths looked curiously at one another, and then at the man standing on the dock below. He was middle-aged, lean, grizzled, and watchful. Meet Augustus Oxenham, Nika declared with a grin, otherwise known as the Ox, and the sleuths all waved politely. Once ashore, the ox beckoned them forward, and they followed him into the jungle. After a few winding turns, they reached the warm glow of a campfire. Do you live here in the middle of the jungle? asked Sam, gazing at the wooden shack with its roof made from the vines and creepers of the nearby trees all interwoven together. Yup, the ox replied in his gravelly voice, gesturing at them to take a seat by the fire. I've lived here since I escaped the old world. The sleuths looked at each other. They knew there were many terrible happenings in the old times and that their families had fled to start a new life in Sandlandia. But very few adults were willing to talk about it. Why did you leave? asked Zav. The ox gazed into the fire. The old world destroyed itself years ago. North America, Europe, Asia. He looked at their puzzled faces. You don't even know those words, do you? No matter. Those places don't exist no more, he sighed. When you have no home, the jungle'll have to do. There was silence as the sleuths digested this. We're using knowledge from the old times again to help us live better lives, said Nika, giving the ox a friendly pat on the arm. Our pa's an inventor, joined in Zav. He uses the learning from the old world to make gadgets. Like the illuminators, added Milo, showing one to the ox. The old man's face lit up as he examined the device. Well, I'll be, he declared, turning the light over in his hands reverently. And there's lots more, said Sam eagerly. The talker listener helps us communicate over long distances, and Uncle Raoul has a thousand more great ideas. The ox had paused and was listening intently, though a slight frown now decorated his wrinkled brow. Great ideas, hey? he muttered. They're only great if they copy the good things, like light. 
But the problem is I'm a hearing that they done started inventing weapons and lots of them. Weapons is bad. It's what destroyed the old world. And if someone was to copy the likes of them, we'd all be in a mighty fine pickle. Weapons? Like swords? asked Sam. Kinda, said the ox, but much more powerful. Guns and ammunition and such. The sleuths rolled these new words around their tongues. Guns. Ammunition. Even the words sounded threatening. That's why we've been in the Sugar Islands, added Nika in a low voice. We've been looking for information about these weapons, but we haven't found anything yet. And since the escape of those crazy good-for-nothings for rank Amphestia, it's doubly important we find out if they've got the technology to make these kind of weapons. The ox looked angry when he mentioned Prince Igor's right-hand helpers, who had escaped from prison on the Isla Diabolo. If anyone's after weapons, it's Ferenc and Festia, agreed Nika, and they wouldn't just want them to threaten and intimidate. They would use them too. The ox nodded grimly. Well, that explains a lot, said Zav in a low tone. The others all nodded in agreement. That's why the Black Cross gang are in league with Igor in the House of Contuti, said Sam. Those pirates will stop at nothing to get large-scale weapons. If they had them... They could defeat us all. Thanks for listening. Join us next time for Chapter 5, The Fazenda of the Six Brothers. Want to read along? Super Sleuth's Book 5, The Magical Parrots of Flambeau, is available now on Kindle. Help other people find the sleuths by sharing our podcast or giving us a review. Check out our Super Sleuth Story Club on Facebook and Instagram, as well as our website, supersleuths.net for lots of fun activities. See you next time!